Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Brown Book. Welcome you tonight, turning the next page of the book. Tonight I have with me one of my workmates, one of my favourite workmates, Mr. Mehmet. Mehmet comes from Turkey originally, and he's agreed to do this podcast. And good evening, Mehmet. Please tell us, who are you? Good evening, hello. Thanks for having me. And thanks for calling me your favourite. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. Um, so my name is Mehmet. I'm from, originally from Turkey, though I've been living in Melbourne for around 22 years now, or 21 years, and a bit of a change. Um, yeah, so we've been working together with you for how long now? A year? Well, it's not been that. It's not been a year yet, I don't think. I think um, you'll you'll soon be not my favourite if you keep up that line of discussion, Mister Mehmet. No, I feel like I've known you for a very long time. I think like our connection has got to be sort of that deep in in the short amount of time that we've known each other, um, which to me tells a lot about your character and personality. Uh, than anything, but yeah, I felt that bond with you um, quite quickly and immediately, which I'll talk about a little bit more. Um, after I get a bit more introduction of myself, what? my 37 year old, um, Turkish Australian man, um, with also um, queer, identify as a gay man, just for a moment, and a little bit of asexuality. Um, I'm sure in there. Um, Just to spice things up a little. Let's go asexual, that'll spice it up. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, that's that's yeah, the sprinkles on the top. Yeah, and it feels like a sort of you um, you might try to find yourself, but yourself seems to be It's it's ever changing and ever growing, and if you're not, then you're dead, basically. Yeah, that's right. So I think that takes part in maybe not me, but I like idea of exploration and discovering new things. So when things get stale and boring or stunted. It just, yeah, to me, that feels like death in some way. So, um, for some, that's comforted. Like, I have people in my life who are very much about rigid and strict and well-defined lives. And to me, that's never been that attractive. So, and I got given that kind of life where I, um, you know, I'm in the marginalized of society in some ways and then my queer identity being a um, Turkish Muslim background migrant in Australia. Uh, do you have Australian citizenship? Do you have Australian citizenships? Citizenship. And I was born here, but I moved back to Turkey when I was two years old. So I can't remember anything really. And I grew up and they came back and I was around 15 and a half. Oh, so, you're an, so you're an Australian with a Turkish history. That's right, that's right. <laughs> um, which means, I, I know I quite like it because there's a lot of cultural enrichment there so I can understand and speak Turkish quite well. Um, you know, even though I don't participate too much in that culture as much as I used to, obviously when I lived there, um, still, you know, it opens the door in terms of connection with other people here. Shared culture is can be. Yeah, having a dual citizenship is something that I'm, I'm not. It, it, it's. God, I haven't even seen snow, let alone another country. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, snow is interesting because I grew up in the capital city, Ankara, in Turkey. 
And we had really well defined four seasons there. So we would have around three months of winter and three months of spring, three months, a month, three months of autumn. And winters, at least for a month, you would have quite a bit of snow. But as a result, like this, you know, the snow covers everywhere and the roads become quite unusable. The roads in a bit, and snow in and stuff. So we used to have a lot of school closures, yeah. So it would be the best time ever. I look forward to it. Like, yay, the winter months will be. Yeah, and it's three days or whatever. Like, not entirely. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. But whenever it sort of had a lot of snow, um, you could have a day or two school closure. But guess what? This used to be nightmares for me because I would have, when I would be sick immediately, as soon as it snowed, I would have my tongue sliders and it would be nightmare. So I'd just be watching other kids playing a snowball and making, you know, snowmen from the window while I was like sick in bed. Um, oh, no, that's a, bit, that's a bit rough, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I I, mean, I kind of like the idea of snow, but it's never been friendly to me, unfortunately. Well, I want to go and touch it and, like, go do it, and then that's it. Run away. Look, it has, it has a very interesting tactile feeling, like, stepping on dirty snow. It feels amazing. Like, has that sort of really interesting angle. I don't want to touch it, but you want to touch it. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of <laughs> lucky virgins. Yes, any virgin was, you know, a bit of excitement. <laughs> should I? Should I? Should I? I'll just look from here for now. Yeah. Yeah. I think the connection. Sorry, you were going to say. Well, I was just going to say that the connection that you felt at work was possibly because you were in that, um, you know, nothing's changing and it's a wee bit boring and I know somebody that can talk underwater, I'll go and talk to her and then you'd be like, oh my God, I've got to go now, you need to be quiet, I have to leave because we would just chat and chat and chat and chat and chat about anything and everything and it was, it's a really nice to know that, that, that there's somebody on trip you can kind of go and... Um, you're not talking about boring stuff either. You're talking about all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Well, you know me, I'm also incredibly chatty. And in fact, that has been my curse all throughout my life where my teachers would complain to my parents about it. This guy is talking too much. And, <laughs> you know, and have a larger than life kind of personality. So tell me just learning more of, you know, more about ADHD, etc., and how that impacted my life all throughout. Um, but about our bond, I think there's multiple layers. I kind of thought about it a little bit, and I feel like um, there are layers there that I think there's some sort of... I need to take a step back, and I'll just first go with... Uh, explaining something about myself. Okay. All throughout my life, uh, ever since I was a kid, I struggled with belonging to a group of people or to a particular thing. For example, I've never been nationalistic. I've never been, um, sorry, been a fan of sports or being part of like, a, you know, fanatic of a team or anything. I've always sort of being quite solitary and just being in my own world. Yeah. And I like the idea of community. I'm a more communal person and I like to be also outside of it, which is really interesting. Um, maybe because of my nature, I'm being pushed out a lot. Like I used to get teased and bullied, et cetera, a lot through uh, primary and high school. And being a, a person that sticks out a bit, a little bit off the center, often, oh. you know, and that's a usual story with schools and how kids behave, how society treats people. For me, I was at those margins and outer ends, I think, made me think that I'm just always going to be alone and not going to belong to anyone or anything. Right? But interestingly, I think the, well, there was, there was a period where I was religious as well, which I thought was where I belong. 
for a long time. But interesting, I think, okay, coming back in discovery, um, it's this sort of kinship with the queer community, the larger LGBTQIA or whatever you want to call it. Because I feel like our stories really overlap in that space. Yeah, so I feel like my kinship and bond with you as well comes partly from there where I immediately feel relaxed and easy about, you know, this person can understand that aspect of it. Or you've shown me your art and I've always loved art and be interested in how made art. Um, so I should think, well, that's another layer of bonding there. And also, obviously, some sort of some level of shared trauma or being able to talk about trauma or understanding of trauma, uh, be it from childhood or past events. Uh, when I say trauma, I mean myriad of experiences. I think I think they they use trauma an awful lot as a word, and it is a very useful word. But a trauma is an event that causes you to have a reaction to it. So. It it can be, um, I've seen and heard of where, you know, people have had the same incident happen, but the trauma and the trigger are different for each person through the same incident. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's why I said that was one of those things. But now I, I, I use the word, but I often regret using specific words because I realize this is actually either a different meaning or they become so overused that they become misnomer or or they even present something else. So I wouldn't say that so I don't want to say my experiences um through my lifetime was trauma because if I say that I feel like I'm minimizing people experiencing those repeated distressful and distressing situations. Yeah. That causes them to, as you said, some sort of response. Um, for me, I feel like the things that have happened are a little bit more sort of less concentrated or more spread out and more consistent, but the resilience you can build in meanwhile can be a little bit different than person who's experiencing a lot more impacting trauma. So, but I think. People use this um, phrase quite a bit nowadays on the internet, which I kind of like. Again, it doesn't necessarily use the word trauma directly, but trauma bonding, sort of an experience that some sort of negative experience or some sort of uh, shared history that people have bring together. Yeah, it's a negative thing. It just makes gives them a bit of an insight into each other and how they felt. Yeah. yeah, potentially, but then um, there's a lot of boxes that have been created and, and the LGBT community is one of the ones that has the most amount of boxes that have been added to it. I mean, we've become Libidiqua, the alphabet people, and to be honest with you, for myself, there's some of them that I would be quite glad if they didn't belong. Um, because they're giving the rest of us a bad name, basically. Something you say, it's so interesting because you, as you go deeper in the microscope, I think you sort of zooming onto more and more onto something. So from the top, a circle that contains X amount of things can look all together as one. But when you zoom down in, uh, with a microscope, you will then start picking out on these like differences and and and, and different groups or whatever. But more you zoom in, more zoom in. But why the reason the reason that I bought it up the LGBTQA thing is that sure there will always be like groups that you might um within that old people within that you might not say oh yeah I kind of don't want to associate with this and I want to have my own identity that's separate from that, but. The way that the overall society treats people at the margins like that, in general, still gives us that commonality. I feel like, you know, you still can have some sort of heritage um, 
day that, that, that can make you feel a bit more closer to others. I don't know, maybe I'm talking, obviously I'm on my own behalf, or I've managed to find, okay, yeah, you may be able to get, well, I am going to say a bit better than this next person who's never had to experience it because they're being air quotes. Yeah, and then people are marginalizing themselves in in all sorts of areas and all sorts of um, not even the LGBT community, other communities as well. Part of the process and the things that the people in seventy eight were on the streets to fight for, and like you as a gay man get more trouble even today as a gay male than I get as a gay female. And the lesbians were always a little bit more accepted in within the community anyway. But like part of the whole reason the seventy eight is around on the street was because we wanted to become invisible. We wanted to become just another person in the street. And that's what say the Native Americans want. That's what the um African Americans want. That's what the Australian Aboriginal wants. Where they want to become just a dude and just a girl on the street, you know? And then they add all these boxes to people and throw them back out there into visibility. Yeah. I think it's just, it's really is a lead sword because you're trying to um, bring attention to certain injustices that are happening to people, minority groups, saying, hey, XYZ is happening to us. And when you do that, the identification box then becomes more rigid, as you said. Like at the end of the day, you are sort of almost separating yourself in that box and then removing yourself from that wider society or something or in the country. And then you become this thing and it's just like you're this thing that can't prove and you can be treated separately. Whereas you say, as you say, the overall goal. Ideally, is to meld into the one and not be uh, distinguished and just be treated, you know, uh, with, with the difference. So, but I think where we at at the moment is not accommodating for that. When there's a lot of issues that be addressed, sorts of different groups, people, uh, uh, the access to certain services or health or, or whatever, you know, what have you. So, um, yeah, I think that's why you can cross that line, as you said, like too, too much to far end where it's completely separated into all these different silos. And... Yeah. Now I wanted to just ask you a question quickly. Um, you said you're a talker, but you're a loner. So how can you be a talker and a loner at the same time? Cause I am one as well. Um, and I don't really fit into any community. Um, because I've chosen not to. I mean, I am a lesbian, but I'm a tomboy, and I was a tomboy before I was steady. Um, but I'm not called that now. I don't know what I'm meant to be at the moment. Well, you know, okay, like, do you need a label? Do you need to say, hey, we're just over-labeling ourselves? So maybe you're just you, you're a good You know, you have a particular demeanor that's unique to you, uh, which is nice. But yeah, perhaps being a loner slash... As long as you don't disagree with yourself and have an argument, like don't have a good message, it's like that. <laughs> Could you imagine having a domestic, <laughs> having a domestic with yourself? That'd be hilarious. In an actual interview format, instead of just me talking to myself in the front of the mirror. Pretending it's an interview. Um, no, I think I'm here. I exist. I am. So therefore, I am. I think. Yeah. I think. I think, Tony Heather, is that um, we find people exhausting because of the amount of stuff that we had to deal with through. And this is one of the other things that I was going to bring up about um, how I found comfortable to bond with you at work is that I think you brought in some sort of, some level of authenticity and realness uh, with you, right? So you're very much of like a no bullshit, very, you know, um, very genuine person who is not afraid to 
be herself and look down us from the emerging progress item and, and how it comes across. It's just like, yes, this woman is self-possessed and it's something that I aspire to. Um, I, something that I haven't gotten into yet. I didn't know. I always thought that I was very confident with who I am. Um, it's just, yeah, it's easy to retreat back into because you're afraid of being hurt and being afraid of being, if you're vulnerable enough, so people can hurt you, which is the defense mechanism that you kick up over time. So you push people away because more people you're letting, more chances of getting hurt, right? So yeah. that's the thing. So that's spending time with crowd, actually, like, you know, I'm talking, really seeing energetic, et cetera. I burn out very quickly and within an hour of a social engagement out, I'm done. Like I need five hours of me time so that I can recharge. Um, cause it feels difficult to navigate and the entire seems to navigate those situations where you're sort of hyper-vigilant about what's going to happen next. Am I going? I didn't think it was to that level with you. I thought it was more like, um, uh, what sort of person does that person expect me to be? Do they expect me to be jovial with them and joke with them or be a, a man's man or a this and that because of the gay side of things? I wasn't, I wasn't aware that it was that sort of thing. You've also had the issues of having a little professional, you know, relationship at work, but... Uh, yeah, in, in, in a social circumstance, the dynamics are a little bit more different. So I often don't care about how I present and how I like come across. I am often confident about that, but just that's almost like I've done a lot of theater and acting in the past, and that's almost like in my head I see that as almost like a stage. Yeah. I'm on stage, yeah. and the crowd is, and the audience is separate from me. Yeah, so they yeah. can't hurt me. Right? Like, um, is that dangerous? Well, that makes sense. Um, that that does make sense. Um, Mehmet's a very charismatic boss. Um, he he does explain what he needs. To. And there's a, there are some that probably think he over explains, but. When you're a new worker, you need somebody who takes that time to actually explain things, and that's what Mamet does. So you're fully aware of what you're actually meant to do, whereas the others go, go over there, and you're like, what do I do when I get there? I'm not telling you. Just go over there. And you're like, okay, I'll just go over there then. But Mamet will explain that when you get over there, don't let anybody go past you, and that that's a huge difference in... in being able to do your job properly. So thank you for that. Um, he, you know, responsive worker who actually, A, takes that on board, and B, showing a lot of initiative and wanting to actually, while working, wanting to actually engage with the work and, and you know, listen to your, you know, whatever I'm saying, etc. So that makes my life so much easier, makes the work run a lot better, the operations go better, smoother and, and all and everything. And um honestly, like with you, you know, um yeah, over explaining at times. Uh felt like because of those qualities that you're sort of responding to what I'm saying and then um quite quickly picked up what the job's nature is as well. Not that we're doing any right times really, but um has made my life easier as a she's punctual, you know, she's on time, she does good work ethic. Um, yeah, a, a overall, a really fun person to be around. Uh, I think our discussions at work have been really in-depth, though, like what we're talking about now. And I, I find a lot of people, even within our gay community, that they 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 get the catch cry and they run with the catch cry. And I don't think they even understand the catch cry. And it's like, dude, 
The catch cries wrong. Sorry, hey, where'd you go? Oh, okay, you're gone now. And, and, well, they, they do. They kind of like, um, oh, um, let's run with the non-binary interview and let's run with the, um, uh, what was the other one? Gender fluid and, and, um, yeah, and it's kind of like, I'm confused. Come and explain all these things to me. Yeah. I don't know. Carry on. You carry on. Okay. Oh, okay, so, look, uh, even though the way that I present things very clear cut, I, I do actually identify a little bit more on the non-binary. Um, maybe because I'm only questioning, maybe I'm an important sort of candidate. I don't know. It's a journey. Again, that's something that's a bit more maybe to cover later on. <laughs> uh, but in terms of um, deep conversations, yeah, I don't know. We, so you, we do end up spiraling into all these uh, more meaty, nitty gritty stuff that I, I like. Um, I always hated small talk. And uh, part of that is, again, my. Oh, well, we're helping. You're going to throw a label out there. Yeah, my ADHD, neurodivergence, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's me, 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 me. Um, I feel harder to engage with. Straightforward, exploring uh, the way I talk. Yeah, who needs to know about it's Melbourne? <laughs> it's, it's Melbourne. It's going to be cloudy today. Like, you know. <laughs> Oh, there was so much wind. So much wind. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and non-stop, we basically were meant to work, but then they, the union type of construction workers, as soon as there's a drop on brain, they immediately vacate the sites. And are you, are you made out of lolly or something? Wicked, wishing the West or something. Like, uh, immediately. It's just kind of funny. Um, but anyway, speaking back to the deep topics, um, when you said that you wanted to have this conversation and uh, podcast, and you mentioned that, how did you think that? You know, every human should be telling their stories because they have, you know, unique stories and you know, lived in your experiences and stories should be heard or at least be, I'm sorry, recorded or journaled or somehow. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you said that, I most people thought was interesting. So I had to reflect on it a little bit because my first thought was like, no, I disagree. There's nothing interesting about me. I'm just a boring person. Like, why is my story even important? Um, you know, that kind of thought came to me. And like, who am I? Why am I telling? I haven't invented the talent anymore. You know, um, the iPhone or whatever you want to say. I'm not the Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why should my story matter? You know, that kind of thing. Um, thought. And then, uh, and I reflected on it, another thing that came up again, which ties back to queering us a little bit, where, what is my legacy, you know? Yeah. Um, sure, a lot of, like, especially particular generation, it's getting maybe less and less nowadays, but it still exists, of gay men, um, we're closeted, got married, and you make children, right? Yeah. And I thought it was gay women. Yes. Um, so you can say, you know, making children is a way of leaving a mark in the world, you know, you leave some sort of legacy, um, be it imparting your genetics, be it imparting, um, part of your personality, uh, whatever. So, but this is not the case for me. So I don't have that kind of legacy and really not have that kind of desire because I can't be full-time parent, and I, I I find that really exhausting, and I really admire parents who can do it. I just don't have that type of energy. I'm absolutely satisfied with the kids that I have in my life that are related to me, but not my direct children. <laughs> yeah. And I have 
really good time with them. I enjoy, but I can always, you know. You can give them back. It's a good one. I, in fact, one of them, younger child, <laughs> um, said to me, do you want children? And I said, well, you guys might. I like my children and all I need in my life. And she's was quite happy about hearing that, really. I think she just didn't want me to have another children. So, like, other children to replace them, really. So, um, and then I thought, okay, so what else is there for me? So, and I thought about the artist aspect of it. All my life, I really loved making art and aspired to be an artist of sorts. But when I say art, I don't just mean painting or drawing, that kind of thing, but just in general, it could be uh, any creative arts type of thing. Yeah. It's just that I have not put enough effort in one area. It's again, oh no, it's here, I'm just going to have to drink water. That's all right, that's all right, you need water. I'm sorry, yeah, I haven't really advanced talent skills in one area, aside from acting for a while. Um, so in that area, I just, I, I kind of want to do more. And I feel like creating a body of work is a great legacy to leave to this world as well. Yes. Um, is that, do you approach your art that way? And how do you find that with each piece you're leaving something behind that's meaningful but also representative of you? No, um, I, I disagree um, in some senses. And yes, I've never looked at my art as a legacy before, and I probably should. But, um, and that's given me food for thought uh, for the future. But, um, my art started doing acrylic pouring and it was kind of like put the paint on the um, canvas and move it around and it's finished and that takes five minutes and I'm bored now. And um, maybe I've got ADHD as well, but it was like, that's boring. What am I going to do now? And the ideas that come to my brain as in what to try next Actually, mastering any of them isn't even contemplated or thought about. It's like, that was cool. What's next? Oh, my God. Imagine if I did this. What if I did that? What? And it just exploded into this. I'm actually contemplating getting a microwave kiln. I saw a guy on YouTube, I think it was, and he was getting, um, what's it called, uh, styrofoam, right? And he gets a piece of styrofoam and he gets hot wire and he cuts it and makes a picture out of that and then he puts a hardener on it, then he paints it and he and it'll be like, Oh, I'm gonna have to do that. No, that's just somebody who's who's actually probably um <clears throat> in this day and age, you know, the, there was all the go out and buy a house stuff, but you're actually uh, so I don't have my space in the garage compared to that. In fact, he works mostly with wood and his woody things are just incredible. But uh, the types of things that he makes, like anything that he wants to solve, solve by just making wooden things. In fact, you might be able to hear in the background that he's actually cut, cutting something in the grinder or whatever. Um, so I just... But if I get my own space, I always say in the garage or something, I do want to have a like a kiln, but not in my career one, but that could work too, actually. But I was thinking one of those, like, you know, what are they called? Like a fire pit thing? And then you, I'm like, Oh, um, so you mean like you've got like just a, a, a bucket you put into the It's not a kiln, but it's a mountain pot. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, the the microwave kiln, you can melt glass to make pendants, but you can also, uh, I've not watched it because I'm not sure I would try it, um, but they also melt metal. And unfortunately, the only problem with is the size product. If you want to melt a lot of stuff, I believe things, I don't like figurine, I'm not sure. I kind of love 
My dear, like jewelry, make me. Do you like twitching your fingers a lot? Do you twitch your fingers a lot? Are you always like touching stuff? Um, not too, so much like to that degree, but I move my hands and my fingers a lot while I'm talking and I talk nonsense. Well, no, but I, I'm, as we're talking, I've got some keys that were given to me, like door keys, and, um, I've been playing with them while we're talking because my, my fingers are twitchy and touchy. Yeah, fidgety. And, and um, the thing is, it, rather than maybe melting things, um, wire twitching, copper wire twitching, one doesn't take up much space. So, yes, yeah, it would work. Yes, I was getting, um, my, I, I used to see this, um, a therapist lady, um, she lives in, she lives in California. It's beautiful. Like in, in some of the forest, a beautiful house that's really old, but it's like one of those mother and stone type of structures. Anyhow, um, she used to, she got into, um, mud sculpture. The clay sculpture things, right? She had to be with like block of clay to play with. She said, like, you know, use your hand and all that. So, like, and mud is one of those things. Can so, I mean, mud clay is one of those things that's just so, you know, multiple and squeeze, you know, squeeze a lot, like, very tactile experience. I mean, have you ever played with clay before or tried to make any sculptures or anything? Um, not really. Um, what I would like to do is a, um, I've got, uh, an idea like the acrylic pour painting can look like a uh, marble, right? And I've seen a guy use clay and color the clay and then spread it out and make it look like a marble and then make a pot out of it. And it was brilliant. But then I'd like to air dry clay. And I like, there's a cloud clay. It's like, it is so light and you pull it out of the bag and you rub it and rub it and you warm it up and then you make something out of it. And it's like an air dry, but it's so light. People may, oh. um, Pokemon things out of it. Stop. <laughs> um, and I need to share you with the glass maker, the glass, the glass thing, like, I don't know what that word. What, the blowing, the blowing, the glass, blowing. Uh, utilize glass to make the things like, like decorative pieces or posters or, uh, window, you know, ornaments. Hi, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so yeah, I follow a couple on Instagram and, again, when I have my replacement money, I am buying and buying from one of the ladies who's doing, because her art, her glass art, it's so beautiful to me. They're always very colourful, but she creates portraits out of them, but like, uh, you know, not super detailed. They're not, they're not going to blow your mind away in the sense. It's not like a mosaic work of Mona Lisa or anything. Yeah. But she makes really nice, really expressive sort of uh, artistic things. I don't know, I find it really aesthetically pleasing. I really do. I forgot her name, but I was like, a share how to work. But anyway, she has this, she's obviously big, so she was able to buy a couple of tools that are really good. Like, she prefers, she puts, like, pieces of glass next to each other, but then some sort of glass adhesive thing or whatever. Like, I don't know, but then she presses the with the tops, press thing or whatever. I think it's a chin, but it's a glass. Well, I don't know. Uh, and then it just molds them together like it binds the glass together those pieces which them into one piece of it i don't know how it i don't know how the science of glass works to be honest it wouldn't be melting the edges into each other or something but it doesn't look impermanent it might just perfect. yeah i've seen somebody do some uh microcool with the glass and everything i'd like to have an experiment with that i'd love to do lead light as well um but i'd also like to do more uh assemblage or found object art. Um, the problem with any art at the moment is, um, God, I went to the shops and I had 
a third of a trolley and it was $138. That's what's wrong with that at the moment. You can't afford food, let alone art. What is that? And more legal into some sort of shape or some sort of art piece is A, more impressive and more imaginative. B, there's more history there than starting from scratch. Uh, obviously, in some ways, it's inevitable to make art from, yeah, it's just a surprise and it costs a reason. I think also, though, that the problem with art at the moment is not so much the cost of the product to make it, um, it's, um, nobody will buy it. They can't afford to buy art. They, they can't, afford, they can't afford food. Exactly. I mean, I can pay the power bill or whatever. I go to the op shops looking for, um, um, found objects to use. And then I always, I like to go to the one on Ballarat Road, Savers on Ballarat Road, cause they've got all the small stuff in bags, hang it up. So it's easy to look at and find the things you need. And then they've got a wall of like um, paintings or photos or whatever. And I've picked up a couple of really nice ones um, from there for like five bucks. Yeah. You know? That's nice. I, I always, I don't know, for some reason I have this image of you in my head where, again, like working with wire and wires and what are but also plaster for some reason. I think plaster really good. Really, yeah. Um, yes, I like, I like the sculpture of the wire and the plaster. Plaster of Paris is good. I've used that on occasion. Um, and there's a way to make it really like shine up, like, um, like proper fine china plaster. But oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you polish it off? No, no, no. It's got, it's got a glue product in it and it's got the, um, you add, um, your water to your plaster of Paris, but you combine the water with, say, a um, a, a white acrylic paint and a glue product um, so that it gets that um, gloss shine to the surface of the plaster of Paris. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's, 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 I haven't done very much with it as yet and I need to do more with it, but um, I was looking at doing resin, but that's moving on. Well, I was thinking acting on one super excited by. In fact, a friend of mine actually she used to make a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I was going to say, um, like resin is is so so not a product I actually want to play with because one, it absolutely. The, the smell is so bad, and I live in such a small environment, so do you, I wouldn't be using it. But um, yeah. uh, the other product that I've looked at, which is probably the closest thing to a combination between plaster of Paris and resin together in a product, is called Resin Crete, and you get it from America, and it costs, I can't remember how much it costs, and I'd love to get some, but... It's not clear, but you can still put it in. Um, it comes out, bubble problems are not a problem. It's just so smooth and pretty. And you can add your color, your paint colors to it. Otherwise, it's just a plain white, but it's it's it, gorgeous. It, 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 it's still plastic, basically. Still, um, I think the poison level is gone. Um, the resin, there is so much toxicity using resin on its own. Um, I think the resin crete is a better product. Uh, the one that we can get, jesmonite, jes, jes, jesmonite, jesmonite is one we can get in Australia easier. It's a similar product. It's not as, it's not like as partial and, uh, fine, fine, like, uh, finish on it. Mm. But it's it's still a nice product to play with and get used to using. And I saw a guy use it, and um, he put um, oh, just in in a mould. He just made like a soap tray. It was, it was gorgeous. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. Have you ever seen um, 
is this guy that sells like wood pieces with resilience in the like the crevices and oh, you also they're awesome as well. Yeah, and they could like flowers or whatever like as well. And just like the I just last weekend I bought some um I don't you seen them wire brushes that you put on your drill? Yeah. Yeah, and you, you can wire brush metal and stuff like that. Well you use the wire brushes on something like pine which has got a grain on it and you raise the grain with the wire brush so you rough up the surface and then you put dye in so the dye is attracted to the raised grain and it dyes the grain like yeah so it looks really cool or you burn the wood and then you use the wire brush to get all the charcoal off and you've got your grain oh, you know, oh, 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 yeah that would be really nice yeah yeah it's just i've done i've done burning of wood but I haven't burnt it to the charcoal level where you have to brush it off. But um, I've used um, a coffee, just, just plain coffee, like a black coffee, a cup of coffee, uh, but bigger amount. Um, and you just get cheap, the cheapest cheapest coffee, coffee from the $2 shop that you can get. doesn't have to be an expensive brand or anything like that. You could probably do it with um, coffee grinds that have already been poured because it'd still be colour and then you can coffee dye your wood and I will add a a yellow tie-dye ink or a green or a blue or a purple tie-dye ink to the coffee and then put my lump of wood in there and you come up, I've got a nice green coffee stained wood that I need to brush up and make the um the grain lift up and make it look so gorgeous but just stuff like that and you just what if I put the dye in what if I do that what if I do something else you know I mean part of the fun is the experimentation but I never thought about like dyeing coffee and what sort of interaction? Yeah, but, but that's the thing, you know, like um, art of any kind, whether it be what you've done, which is something I've not scared of doing, but like um, to me, the, I've got two friends that I worked with in WA and they're both photographers and one of them started photographing um um, houses and cars for like real estate agents and car sale people. Then he started doing landscapes and then he finished up doing wedding photography. Now this guy can Photoshop and do all the biz bangs and make it look like they're walking on clouds and it's and it's amazing and it doesn't even look like he's tucked to picture. It's just awesome. But, yeah, but like... He keeps growing with his photography, like he ta- he's on to the next. When Raw kind of came out as a thing with so many more colours, he jumped on that straight away. And he's got a gun photo that he linked together that's actually uh, 12 metres long by about uh, six inches high of the Grand Canyon that he, he'd taken, stood there and photoed every, every step of the way around the canyon was standing and then he joined them all together into one locked photo and if it was printed it'd be 12 meters long by six inches high and it would be absolutely stunning but that that's his style of photography he's explored and thought and gone what if what if what if what if we in an upward movement whereas the other guy does landscapes and seascapes more than anything and he discovered with his his post-production stuff that he could pop, say, the red or the blue or the yellow or the green or something like that, and he could get that, and then the rest would be all dark and and moody and and scary and a bit cool and steampunkish and all that. So he did that, and he did that, and it looked absolutely amazing. He had this red sun. And the rest was all dark and moody and the sea. It's beautiful. 
except you did it 500 times and you've done it 500 times it's like that one looks like that one it's a different scene but it looks the same because his art has died because he's done nothing new and that's why i wanted this to be like this is the story of you Mehmet, and how you function in the world and how you want to be perceived in the future and how you can help a young Turkish boy in the future become the gay man you are today. Um, but also, I didn't want to script it in any way because I want to speak because I'm a talker and I want you to feel comfortable and just talk and discuss anything that you're comfortable in discussing. Yeah, I take it pretty much now. I just... Oh, I'll just follow you on Instagram, Mehmet. What I is it just Mehmet? It is not as um I hope you don't find my photography boring, but I I go. This is the thing, I need to work more on it. I don't do enough post processing or any changes because I like capturing at this moment. In time, I like just capturing the things that I, as I see them through the lens, and I just kind of want it to be as raw and as direct as possible. And they mean something to me, and they reveal something about me, my inner world. But I am hoping to do a little bit more work on some of them and make them a little bit more curated experience. Uh, my Instagram is at Lens Glimmer, so it's L E N S G R G L. Yep. I will do that after we finish this discussion. I can't look at it now. That's the only thing. Yes, yes, I've written it down on my book here when I've got open where I'm doodling at the same time as playing with keys and talking and writing and doing all these things like that. Because my brain never stops, Mehmet. I think I do. I think I do. Yes. But, but like, um, what, what's your subject matter in photography? What do you like to take photos? <laughs> Come on, tell me. Is it, is it black and white? Do you like black and white stuff? Oh my god. Neither do I. I don't like it. It's horrible. Pardon? It's horrible. I don't think humans either. I, no, no, well, look, I have one actual professional photographer. Uh, acquaintance from uni and her photography has is about human subjects, but I think she's incredible at it. And I do love her human photography. That could be part of it because all of her friends listen to him like actual and uh, um, she has a gorgeous person, uh, both inside and out. Um, but no, I like landscaping. Uh, you'll see a million clouds on my content. Um, because for me, the colors con look three areas that excite me uh, silhouettes are created by contrast, but I like line, I like um, contrasted things, basically separated, clearly separated things, patterns, and color work really excite me. So things that I take photos of usually involve these things. It is showed So it says capture the moment. Is that what it says? Yeah. Well, there's like ten lens glimmer. Lens early ends. L, like so, Alpha Lima E for N for November, S for Sierra, yeah. G for Golf, yeah. L for Lima, I for India, N for Mehmet, M for Mehmet, E for Echo, R for Romeo. Yeah, and there's one, two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have to direct me because there is like, it's got one here with 17 posts. Uh, capture, capture the moment. Uh, no, it's all right. I'll look it up. All right, then. my display picture is if you can see it, obviously, it's a little difficult to see it more thing, more highs, but uh, is it like, you know, I uh, do it to see it. 
Hello, oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, you're at the top of the list, so I'm now following you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> And I'll add you so you can see what kind of feel will get out. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Lots of lines. If you like lines. Yes. Can you test Let's see. ADHD coming out. No, no, I like it. I like it. Well, then it can be, um, I, I, you know, you realise that I do repeat a lot. Oh, I like that one. I called Cow one with the sun, the sun. There's a, you know, there's sunset in it, the car, the car mirror, I like that. <sighs> you're not allowed to do this while you're driving, Mehmet. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> the things you do. No, you've done very well. All oh, like that, Ralph. Oh, well, we can go on a photo shoot. Mehmet, we should do that. Yeah, I just need to get it out more and find a new subject. I can bring a subject around me at work. I use I, I, I take a lot of photos as well. Um, so I need to do more engineering. Yeah. I'm just doing it in like a chill hobby that I it's like, oh, I kind of like this. I want to take this nap of this or this is by me at that moment. Oh, I like that line. I like that shit. Yeah, well, I, I I was sitting at my son's house in Perth. I was bored. I was alone because he wasn't home and it was hot and it was horrible and I was drinking a beer in a coffee cup and I put the beer in the coffee cup down on his patio, which was broke, and I was just sitting there and I was just playing with my phone and I took a photo, kind of um, black and white, but more sepia, I think you call it. And I just took a photo from on sitting on the chair, looking down over this coffee cup, and it looks like a cup of coffee. And I just took the photo, and I did where you put it in the corner, so it's like the third thing. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was off centre. So I did that, uh, and that is one of the photos that everybody loves the most. Yeah, I. You know how you brought that, in which sounds exciting. I will have a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned black and white. I have one, I have one or two photos that are, I think two photos that are black and white, which is funny. It was actually original, none of black. One of them wasn't a black and white photo. Someone who was following me at the time said, nah, I'll make a black and white version. And they uploaded, uh, black, they made a black and white version of a photo and they said, oh, this looks better in black and white, which was a very exciting moment for me because someone editing like liking my picture and editing into something that they think that it might be interesting was a very nice sort of an art dialogue moment. Um, but I have another piece that I intentionally made black and white. It's probably my most popularly loved photo. Uh, it was this spiral staircase thing that I found as I was waiting for my friend in the city uh, where he was working and it was just like I found them perfect any angle that just tickled my brain aesthetically it was looking just incredible and a lot of people just really loved it um so i want to do more of that kind of stuff and that's better having you know plenty of i'm more interested well the one thing that i learned i think it was through tiktok um, which I've done, uh, my daughter and her partner and the kids and me, and we're all down. Where the hell did we go? Uh, we were in, in, um, Eildon and my daughter's partner wanted to go and look at the dam wall. And we're like, okay, the dam. Anyway, so we all got off to look at this dam wall. That was fine. And, um, and I'd seen this thing on YouTube or TikTok or somewhere and they were walking through the bush around there and I went, oh, 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 do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. So I got my daughter to stand still and just lift her foot up and then you get your phone and you stand your phone up on the ground but upside down with, with the camera open and you take a photo and it looks like they're walking towards your camera and it works really, really well. We'll do it next time I see you at work, I'll make you put your foot up and I'll show you. The angles, the angles are very important, like you said. So, um, to potentially improve your photos or get better angles, especially with lines, turn your phone upside down, stand it on the ground and lean it back. Yeah. Till you get what you want in the photo and go click. Yeah. 
I've just contorted myself into 200 new positions I didn't exist yet. I've just found three muscles that I really didn't want to know about, but God, that's a good photo. Yeah. Yeah, so like doing that at work may, may, may cause, you know, there to be an insult. Yeah, those sort of moments, you don't need that, that. But no, there's um, the angle, because most photos are taken at eye level, if you take them up or below or from the side at an angle, you get so much more definition and so much more, um, you get more depth of field. Like you can actually tell the wall is an inch thick there because you've angled it from the side of the wall so you can actually 3D your pictures a bit better. Yeah, yeah, I get to say it. So I, I need to play around with my angles. I'm thinking of maybe getting some sort of Usually something like can extend your arm like a selfie stick or something to sort of uh, even increase the height of the phone or the camera or whatever I'm using uh, getting myself because I'm quite limited with you know what I can do moment obviously like those kind of things can open up possibility I have to explore more angles in areas. Have you seen the tripod that's only one tripod? It's not actually a tripod, it's just one stick. Like you can flunk it on the ground like a surveyor's post and then you can flick it up like a selfie stick. Push it up. Is your button It's just rigid. It's just like a um uh a surveyor's post or whatever and it's got just your camera on the top and then you can use it like a tripod and kinda of get some support. Or you can push it up and use it like a selfie stick. Yeah. There's several ways of doing it. I'd love to go and do uh, uh, drones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, drones are like... Um, last time I've been to Green Ocean Road, you know, um, I was at this cliff's edge and taking beautiful, perfect shots. And then all of a sudden, it's like all the gents and then popped up and then... It just opened this bag and then just released the drone into the air and then was taking this incredibly cinematic And you just standing there going bitch. <laughs> yeah, see bye, yeah, whatever. Thanks a lot. Just ruined my entire day. <laughs> So you've obviously put some thought into this discussion and what you wanted to talk about. Is there anything like I'm I'm dragged you all around in circles? Is there anything you wanted to talk about that you haven't yet? Um, not in this um, initial conversation. I think it's still been a good introduction. We did go for on a bit of a tangent with arts and and our areas of excitement and that. But I think our current um three things, a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about. And um, we'll have to do it again. Well, you'll be back, Mehmet. Um, I haven't decided yet, but there's going to be... I spoke with a lady today who's going to get back to me and hopefully I can have her for Christmas Eve. Um, but if not, then one of, one of you poor people that is my friends is going to have to do Christmas Eve, which can be pre-recorded. It doesn't have to be done on Christmas Eve, but yeah. Yeah, but one advantage of uh, having me is that because of my background, I'm like celebrating Christmas. So. Yeah. Well, I don't see myself doing anything wild either. Um, oh, you should, you should. No, well, uh, probably at some point, I'm not sure what the child is doing with the, with the Spratlings. The Spratlings are Christmas Yeah. But thank you for coming, Mehmet, and I hope that I didn't over-talk you too much. Yeah, somebody, somebody's been avoiding me. Well, yeah, but somebody's told her to keep us apart. Well, there'll be a conspiracy soon because they'll be keeping me and Greg apart as well. Just, just. No, but the thing, I think, I think to a degree that, um, like, 
you, you, you should have camaraderie with your mates at work and people at work because you need to be able to rely on them. I mean, Mehmet and I both work at the airport in an environment that can be quite dangerous and you need to be able to communicate with each other and go, Oi, don't drive anywhere. You'll get killed if you do, sort of thing. Um, yeah, I guess it's a very fluid environment and it's really, yeah, maybe things will change in the future. Maybe it's, maybe I'll just You can take over the company, member. you do that. Oh yeah, we can do it together. And I'm going to go and look at all your pictures now. Are you going back to, um, Turkey in the, in the near future? Oh, yeah, um, Australian winter to be summer, so, because it's been a while, I haven't seen my cousin, like, my aunties and stuff, and I remember I was planning on going in for 20 and obviously the pandemic happened, so, and I was seeing going this year, but I looked at the prices, and I said, no, um, <laughs> but I am hoping to have enough money. Regardless, like you like, well, I would like some rocks. Yes, can you get rocks that are going to look pretty once I've tumbled them? Oh well, I will. But you know, we've we've been talking for a while now, and I probably should let you go so you can do Mehmet plays. Yes, Mehmet goes onto the PlayStation or the Xbox. Is it Xbox you play? Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Crack your PC and carry on. Oh, possibly. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, don't, we, we won't have any more fun at work, okay, I promise. <laughs> uh, good night, Mehmet. See ya. Thank you, Mehmet, for a lovely chat. That was awesome. Um, he's a great guy. Um, we chatted about a lot of things and there's a lot more to chat about. Hopefully he relaxed a little bit in that. And any of you want to ask questions of him, me, any of my guests so far, don't hesitate to contact me. If you want to be a star of the show, come and have a chat and you can tell I'll chat about anything and everything at length. For as long as I want, because this channel, we're never told to shut up. Enjoy your night. Enjoy your lives. Talk to you soon.